Super Bowl. Goes for the deep shot. He's got a touchdown. And Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks. Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome back to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I am your host, Colin Hallboom, joined by my co-hosts, Bo Danyard and Scott Capron. There are plenty of things for us to discuss as it relates to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's what we're planning to do tonight. The NFL draft season is upon us. Free agency is in full swing. We got coaching changes. We got unretirements, retirements, all this <laughs> stuff. So, so much, so much to discuss. I don't know where you boys want to start. How we doing, boys? We good? What's up? Feeling great, man. I kind of want to start with uh, one of the biggest free agent acquisitions sports in the sports media landscape, at least, right? What's what's going on at Sports Illustrated there, Boom? Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excited to announce I have officially signed with a team. Um, yeah, Bucks Game Day, which is a Sports Illustrated website dedicated to covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've signed on with them as a writer and NFL draft analyst. So um, I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to be covering as obviously the draft for them and tons of buck stuff. I got about six articles up there already. So things are moving fast. Uh, Bucks game day is off to a roaring start. They had, we had over uh, a million and a half page views in our first month. So um yeah, quick golf clap for you and in, in awesome. the Masters as well too, man. That's awesome. It's yeah. awesome, man. I mean, I think you were high on their big board, right? They were looking for a team-friendly contract uh, with the guy kind of on the come up, and uh, the, for the two of you guys to to knock out a deal like that is just uh, just really good on both sides. So we love to see it. Thank you, gentlemen. I think my my draft comparison is Troy Anderson. Um, <laughs> out of Montana of state. He's a linebacker. He's played like running back quarterback, but he, he's found his niche as a linebacker. So I, I like to think I wear, I can wear different hats. So apparently I'm a writer now. Perfect. Love it, man. Congrats though. Officially. Yeah. And just so awesome. Can't wait Thanks. to keep. Uh, yeah. Couldn't be more excited there. for you, man. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Thanks boys. And thanks to both of you for talking bucks with me uh, once a week for the past year. It's been uh, lots of fun and that's what I want to do more of right now. We haven't been on the airwaves since the big news dropped in terms of Bruce Arians moving to the front office uh, in, in a somewhat shocking move, really. Arians announced he, he would be uh, leaving the sidelines effective immediately and joining the Bucks. This happened about a week and a half ago. Uh, joining the Bucks front office as a senior advisor. Uh, he doesn't even know what the job entails based on his, his presser after, which is amazing. Um, and as much as I want to discuss BA's accomplishments on the field i mean obviously he led the bucks to a super bowl in his second season here so um he, he certainly deserves more than a golf clap in terms of what he's done on the field but I, I i just find myself totally drawn to immediately really as soon as he retired this is where my mind went was to his legacy in terms of being a champion for diversity in the nfl um and i think it's just so cool how this, how, who he is and what his legacy is, because not only are there, I, I believe no teams in the NFL with, with two black head coordinators off or all black coordinators. So special teams, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, but they also have a black head coach as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, two true. women on two women on the staff, two women coaches. 
I mean, this has been something that Bruce Arians hasn't shied away from publicly. He's openly disgusted. He wants to give everyone a fair chance. He, he doesn't act like he's given anyone any favors. He's just hiring people who deserve the opportunity, and he just wants to give them a chance. And I just feel really, like, privileged that he was our coach, and he was the guy who brought brought this championship Lombardi trophy um, to the Buccaneers because he stands for so much more than just a no-risk-it, no-biscuit offensive philosophy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's really well said. And um, to be that successful a head coach and for that to be kind of the, the maybe the second thing on your on your resume or however you want to put it with this being such a champion for diversity is just phenomenal and we need more of it. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's exciting to see. I mean, I think there's also a ton to talk about with regards to how this all went down and the timing of Brady and Arians. And, and it's something I've actually been kind of saving talking to you guys about because I, it, I don't know about you guys. It's been pretty split from what I've seen just reading things and, and on Twitter and from reporters and everything about what actually went down. But just to echo Colin's points about simply um, the, the plat, the, the path that he's blazing has been, has been remarkable and it's uh, just awesome. And it's nice to, you know, I don't want to say be a part of it, but to get to talk about it, it's really cool. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's awesome. Um, you can't let a guy like Bruce Arians just walk out of your building. So it's nice to see that he's going to still be around, even if he doesn't know what he's going to be doing. His presence is kind of like a guiding light for this franchise. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what see what happens with that. How they uh, if he's going to be really in the uh, in the war room even more so. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 interested to see how it plays out, what his role is with the team, and and how his legacy continues to be built on that. Um, to speaking about the timing of all this, I, like I feel like I read an article that said that Brady was somewhat aware that this was going to be going down. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he was more than somewhat aware. If, okay. If I'm throwing my two cents out there, and by so I think he was more than somewhat aware. I think that he is the, he was the one behind it. Really? Yeah, I really do. Colin? Yeah, what do you think, Colin? I, I, I haven't seen anything about this, obviously. So, I gotta say, like... <laughs> I know it's a big thing. I know it's kind of a it big is. call out. It is, and you're totally right. Like, a lot, like, the media and the people who have chimed in on this seem to be pretty split in terms of, like, some of them are just like, oh, come on. Like, this yeah. isn't even reading tea leaves. It's yeah. just obvious. Like, exactly. Brady comes back out of nowhere, um, and then Bruce announces he's moving to the front office. And first of all, let me just state this. If this did happen, if it was ultimately something Tom said, like, listen, I don't want to play for Bruce. I'll come back, but you got to make a move, right, which is the the implication here or what's being implied. Mm-hmm. Um then good on Jason Light for doing it because that's the most important person in your franchise's history. Uh, you know, that's not that's not it's a no-brainer. It's as great and all the praise that we're heaping on Arians and all this. It's it's a no-brainer. And I think it would be different if Arians was 53 or something, right? But but I think Arians only had a couple seasons left of coaching in him anyway. So if there is some amicable way for this to go down, which by all uh, intents and purposes, it seems pretty amicable. I, I mean, Arians, if Arians was forced out of his head coaching job in the NFL, well, he got a pretty cushy landing spot, obviously. I'm sure he's getting compensated fairly. But 
not everyone would just kind of take that if that's what happened, right? So it must have been, you know, on good terms. It must have been discussed or in the works or whatever. But it's just, I don't think you can underestimate the Brady factor or the Brady power when it comes to anything involved with him. And he's been so careful with everything that he's done in his career. And I can't, maybe this is a big coincidence. Of course, that's possible, right? Like, of course, that's possible. But I don't think it's friggin' likely, and I think this is how how we got here. A couple of other th- thoughts I have on it because, first of all, if if that is true, let's say, let's just operate under the assumption that could be the case because it's a major coincidence. If not, hmm. they this whole franchise from Bruce to Tom Brady being present at his press conference to the way he they have vehemently denied that accusation. Jason Light, anyone who's talked on it. They are doing maybe the best sell job, PR sell job in the history of not only professional sports, politics, whatever right. realm you're discussing. So if that actually happened and all these people are just lying about it, straight because that's what that would mean. It would right. mean they are, in fact, lying about it. Then goddamn, are they doing a hell of a job? So that's kind of the counter angle here. Like that's a lot of people who have to not slip up and all kind of embrace this new new plot line. Secondly, it does kind of then trample on the notion that the primary objective for Bruce Arians choosing now was to empower Todd Bowles into a winning situation, um, which mm. which appears to have been at least to be the prevailing thought amongst those who oppose your yeah. coincidence. Right. And I don't I don't even I don't even like negating that point or I don't want to diminish the fact like I hope it was the coincidence part so that, you know, the champion of Todd Bowles was at the forefront and all of that. Trust me. I just find it hard to believe that the Brady factor wasn't the most important thing. That's all. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, I think the two things can be true on that. Yeah. I think, like, I think Brady could be like, I want Bruce gone and Bruce can be like, I'm not leaving unless you put Todd Bowles in. Or maybe here's here, here let's, let's, let's arrive somewhere in the middle. So here's what I'm thinking as we, as we're talking through this, maybe, you know, they're staying in close contact. Let's let's call it Jason Light, the GM, probably, and Tom, right? And 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 Jason Light is a smart enough guy. He starts to sense some apprehension. He's 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 presented a desire to play still. He he's at least dropped those hints to Jason, but hum humming humming and hawing about um the current hierarchy or or with Bruce Arians as his coach. Not saying he won't or he will, but just kind of being very like. This is how I feel like dropping major hints. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Jason Light is smart enough to be like, you know what? I think I can kind of see what's going on here. And I think I know what might push Tom Brady over the edge. And I think that would be if we tell him Bruce is, wants to step down. So, so they haven't actually discussed it, but it's more of like uh, Jason Light reading the room and being like, all right, screw this. I'm not playing this game. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to talk to Bruce. Would he be open to this? Todd Bowles, yeah. they're all on board. And then he presents it to Brady and Brady's like, let's fucking go yeah quite possible possible i mean and that would be kind of a best of all world situation right and maybe that's what happened and maybe that scenario that you just laid out boom is what's allowed this you know pr run to go so smoothly or however you want to put it right because there wasn't an official like ousting or anything like that everyone was just kind of on the same page enough and everyone landed in good enough spots that yeah, uh, kind of portraying it as we're all kumbaya, we're ready to roll for the next season, uh, no hard feelings, and 
Bruce gets essentially exactly what he wants out of everything. Maybe that, maybe that's it. Right. And like, Hey, if we want to land on that and just be like positive and there's no issues and whatever, then Hey, awesome. Like that would be ideal. Right. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Or it's just like the truth and, and right. yeah, you know, we're that. just reading too much into it, which is whatever. But, but I will say you, you certainly have legs to stand on with that theory. And I think, many people do we won't know until a tell-all book or or exactly tom brady finds a way to monetize this uh through his <laughs> brady brand or something like that one other thing like the press conference was amazing um i don't know if you guys caught it but yeah it just made me love bruce arians so much more than i already do like what a way- fun dude man like not you like talk about a cool grandpa like i had a cool ass grandpa but like he wasn't like bruce man like <laughs> Oh, the way, the right. way. First of all, I love like he after he finishes all all of his comments and answers a bunch of questions, he walks to his seat. He comes back up to say, "Wait," and I gotta say, "Thank you to all of you, the media. You've done a great job." Like he shout out shouts out the media, um, which I like, and and then he walks away again. He comes back and he goes, "Mike Florio, you can keep writing whatever you write, baby." Or like something like that, like because <laughs> Mike Florio has been on a weird mission to just slander the whole like program. Like it's just kind of, yeah. it's so funny. All these years watching Mike Florio on Sunday Night Football, I just I got my my the portrayal I always uh, saw was was just like a super credible professional reporter, right? Like NBC Sunday Night Football, so clean cut, yeah. And then as like you follow him on Twitter, eventually you realize he's like pro football talk. And it's just like clickbaity shit all the time. And he really like has an angle. You start to see if uh, anyway. Well, yeah, not to get it, but that's such an interesting point you make just in general about reporters. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that guy was just wrong about that. Or or has that person has a vendetta or some sort of grudge like they're all human. But I agree. I always have this. We report the news every word is, is a hundred percent true. Like I can't believe it when someone breaks a story and it's just wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not understanding journalism, I suppose, or never being a part of it. It's like, wait, so wait, what are you basing this off of? And, and like who wronged you or whatever happened? Yeah. It's just, it's funny to see like kind of play out in real time. And just like any acquaintances in your personal life, I feel like journalists need to be more forthcoming or willing to be like, shit, I got that one wrong. My bad. And just yeah. like own own it, don't keep doubling and tripling down, which is what Florio has done in a number of instances. But he's certainly not alone in that regard. But um, anyway, the press conference yeah. was awesome. I also want to give a shout out to the Glazers. I feel like as an ownership group, their reputation has really, really had an ascending trajectory over yeah. the, like prior to the Super Bowl this run. Like even prior to Brady, I just think they've been doing things right. Like allowing Bruce Arians to to champion diversity as we've discussed and just mm-hmm. allowing Jason Light to have full autonomy and being supportive financially, allowing them to push the books a little bit. Um, just a number of things. And I thought, um, I think it was Malcolm Glazer, forgive me if I'm wrong, who, who opened that press conference. I thought he was like authentic and genuine in his praise for Bruce. And um, I think you could have a lot worse owners out there. So oh, big uh, time. some Bucks fans may not agree, but. So well, anyway, it's definitely improved because yeah. they did not have a great reputation and and as being because are they with Liverpool as well? Man, right? man, yeah. Yeah. man yeah. Oh, man, United. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. OK, well, yeah, pretty big, pretty big couple of things <laughs> to own there. Right. So um, yeah. 
and United certainly have their issues. But um, yeah, before Brady, but definitely after Brady, the ownership looks pretty good and winning his Super Bowl. That helps. Yeah. yeah. And so Todd Bowles, I want to talk about Todd Bowles because he he deserves his moment uh, on Bucks Banzer. And uh, he was immediately named the head coach. So I, I, I did a quick hit on um, right as that news came out. And I was suspecting immediately that, or hoping, to be honest, that Todd Bowles would be the incumbent. And uh, it didn't take long for that news to come out. He was Then they awarded him with a five. So another example of the Glazers doing right. They, they give Bowles a five-year deal right away, um, which I think is awesome. It's like, this isn't any interim shit, man. We trust mm. you. You're the guy. We respect you. You are the guy. This was part of a succession plan. No matter how you view what happened with Bruce, this was obviously the ideal for them. Um, and again, credit to Jason Light. Because however this came together, we don't know. Again, um, he, he went with the right guy, in my opinion. And, you know, you wait any longer. You almost lost. could have lost him this offseason. Could have lost yeah. more than that this offseason, for sure. No hey, doubt. one question I was going to ask you, like, Say Bulls for some reason wasn't in the running for this job. Who who are you interviewing? Well, I think I think if he wasn't in the running, it would be it would be Leftwich. Um, but like, okay, say you had to you had to go with the outside hire. Mm. How long would it take for you to call Sean Payton? Mm. Oh my God, you know how much I respect Sean Payton. Like, but he's still, I think, like obligated to the Saints, I believe, contractually yeah. until his contract expires. Um, but I'm sure there's ways around that. I mean, exactly. <laughs> but Payton, yeah, man, Sean Payton, I would pick or two. Bo, you know me well, bro. Like that would be so Sean... interesting, right? Like division rival. Oh, Bucks fans hate Sean Payton because he's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, and they would have an loved offensive... him immediately. Yeah, he, he, he's the perfect example of a guy who was an offensive genius. I think of him and Andy Reid and Sean McVay actually, who who can run and have full control of an offense and also be effective head coaches and leaders of men and motivational and all that yeah. stuff. Right. Because it's a, it's a more than a double-edged sword, um, mm. but that's just the two primary sides of it. Um, what, what if, so after Arians, what percentage would you have had it at as bulls versus left, which meaning the, between those two yeah like yeah. the ownership says tomorrow it's going to be one of the coordinators which what would you have had it at in terms of like, left which would have had to have been considered he, oh absolutely he he must have been considered in scotty am i going through the perspective of like what it actually was behind no, the scenes? just you like i would have yeah like what would you, who, would, who would you have rather okay so for me yeah 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 oh man to be honest 85 15 holy really yeah, yeah, just in favor of Bull. Done it. I trust him that much more. Yeah. I've seen him run a defense exceptionally well, and it, it's funny, right? Because on this very podcast, many times I have emphasized how I believe an offensive-minded yeah. head coach who is really, really gifted at their craft is is who you put in that role just to have them in house to call the plays, right? Yeah. So I'm actually trampling my own philosophy. Um, but I do believe that Todd Bowles is extremely gifted as a defensive play caller. All his players love him everywhere he's been as the DC. They all love him. Shaq Barrett did an interview the day after the hire. They're asking him, they go, how would you describe Todd Bowles? And Barrett, first word he said is a genius. He goes, he's a genius, right? So um, I have just developed an incredible amount of confidence in Todd Bowles, despite the fiasco, you know, one play, terrible play, cover zero blitz. Yeah, leaving Cooper Cup 
leaving an Antoine Winfield Jr. on an island um, cost us our season, arguably. I mean, a lot of things went into it, but that if you're going to iron it down to one play, that's the play. Uh, and I'm still feeling that way. So I think my confidence in Todd Bowles is legit. And when he announced that he would be calling the plays, I did a little Irish heel tap in the air because <laughs> I was very excited. So, yeah, that's that's definitely not like when we're talking about basically every other team, like between the three of us, whenever we're in a little group chat, I feel like every time somebody hires a defensive coordinator as their head coach, we're like, what are you doing? Yeah, boy. Like, it's just not where that leak is go where this mm. leak is going, right? But yeah. this is different. I don't know. This is gonna be interesting, right? Because I think we also on the other flip end of this, I guess, to look at like the contrarian side of this hire and the contrarian side of like the outlook of the Bucks is um does how does the offensive play calling improve? Like how are we still gonna go run run pass with Luffwich back there and or like was that what Brady was mad about with Arians that he wasn't risking it enough? Like, I don't no. know. I, I don't, I, I, I think, um, I think it's fine. I think Arians can chime in with any ph- philosophical stuff, but I don't think they need him like offensively anymore. I, I think it's a pr- ultimately dual coordinators and it's Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich. I, I think, think so too. Yeah. The, yeah. Arians did. Oh, Arians didn't know about, like is he didn't even know about his what his role was gonna be. Like there's no way he's gonna be coming in putting a stamp on it. And also, <laughs> if he's a champion of diversity and all this, he's not gonna be, you know. Yeah, he can't be over the shoulder of Byron. Yeah, over the shoulder of Leftwich. And apparently, like he wasn't last year. Like no, I, yeah. I and I'm I'm not saying I just mean like I just feel like the imprint is gonna be very limited. And like Boom said exactly, a co basically co-running the offense with Leftwich and Brady, which means we're doing what Brady wants here. And yeah. guess what? That's probably good for Leftwich's career and his future, right? To um to have like the number one offense in the NFL as he goes to the next round of um coaching interviews next year, obviously, right? So that's I can't wait. I can't wait to watch their offense again, but especially now. Man, it, like I just maybe I wouldn't be working writing for a Sports Illustrated Buccaneers website if Tom Brady hadn't come back. Like, it's like <laughs> that much coverage is required. That much big news occurs when he's in the building, especially in the offseason. The draft is more exciting. Like, the Buccaneers went from going the wrong direction to all of a yeah. sudden being immediate, legitimate contenders again. It is unbelievable for any Buccaneers fan. So, oh. fantastic. Yeah, they went from, all right, let's have a plucky playoff-ish team and figure out the quarterback situation next year to, all right, run it back. We're awesome again. But, you know, yeah, just try to win our second Super Bowl in three years. Why the hell not? And in terms of your your question, which was a very good one uh, about Bowles versus left, which a lot of people disagree with me. Like a lot of people That's were, why act- I asked. were acting disappointed or saying, oh, Leftwich is getting overlooked. They hired the wrong guy. Um, Leftwich has more to prove to me, like with the reins more in his hands. And I'm happy with Leftwich, but let me just like, maybe it's easier to nitpick as well on the offensive side, but I have a lot more like hesitancy to give my vote of confidence for our play calling all the time on that side of the ball than I do on defense. Um so I want to just I want to see more from Byron. Um, he's done a great job, but I want to see more. 
Uh, here we go. We got a nice comment here on YouTube. Brennan McKenzie, shout out the Diesler, Dungey, Gruden, Bruce. Can Todd make the list? And I assume Brennan's referring to um, storied Buccaneers head coaches, all time Bucks coaches, all time Bucks coaches. I mean, BMAC, you missed, you missed guys Greg Piano, obviously. Oh, gosh, I don't know yeah. if that was like if that's coming in the next message here, but yeah. Yeah, so the answer to Brennan watching on YouTube is sure he can. I mean, if if the Buccaneers repeat, then hell yeah. Or even if they yeah. make it to, you know, the NFC championship game, that's a great start. But you know, we're on we're on our last legs of the Tom Brady thing, and I'm not looking beyond. Like I th- I gotta assume it's the last year. Um the other sorry, the other point can I make a point about the the guys who are hating on bowls over Leftwich? talking about his jets record it's the jets you know what yeah. i mean like it can only really count for so much let me pull up his his quarterbacks yeah exactly and <laughs> yeah. that's basically all he needs to know wasn't there i mean i don't think they were terrible they locker rooms they certainly are. not bad defenses like here they are i have to interrupt here are the quarterbacks todd bowles had in new york which i believe had a pretty good defense at that time ryan, Fitz, ryan fitzpatrick geno smith Bryce Petty, Josh McCowan, and Sam Darnold. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, that's about as tough as it gets for a five. So I would say, you know, people people who who criticize that what happened. Like his his issue was they won too many games his first year. They overperformed. Yeah, they, yeah, they got they had like ten wins or something like that, but still missed ten wins. That, ten wins. Bang on, yeah. bro. That group yeah, yeah, yeah. of five might be worse than OKC's starting five the other night against the Blazers, <laughs> which was really something. In including my man Xavier Simpson, but that's for another day. But wow, I yeah, forgot that Bryce Petty started some games. Yeah, Good lord. Really rough. That's a tough scene, man. So yeah, I was always kind of whatever. Bulls, defensive guy, boring. Jets, boring. They sucked because they obviously didn't have an offense. So what? But he has, I mean, you read about him and obviously, you know, firsthand from our Bucks fan over here is like people love him, man. So yeah. if, if he was a the guy, then he's the guy and awesome. Let's roll. Speaking of rolling, let's roll along here with our episode. Um We've done a good job here summarizing, you know, the the coaching change that's transpired. Votes of confidence both ways. Um, the Buccaneers had another signing um, this afternoon. They signed Keanu Neal, and that's a player Bucks fans should be very, very familiar with. Not only was he drafted 17th overall in 2016 by division rival Atlanta Falcons, mm. uh, but he was also a three-year player at the University of Florida. Hell of a player early in his career for the Falcons. That's another reason Bucks know him well. Hard-hitting, strong safety, uh, balls to the wall, every down, that type of player. And I'm just summarizing for anyone who's maybe not familiar. Uh, He tore his Achilles in 2018, unfortunately, so he missed most of two seasons as a result of that. And although, like, so it kind of felt like he he fizzled out after that injury. Like, I feel like he wasn't heard from much since. He did come back and have 100 100 total tackles in 2020, which was his last year as an Atlanta Falcon. And then this past year, he was in Dallas, so he followed Dan Quinn, his former head coach and defensive yeah. coordinator in Atlanta, over to Dallas. They moved him to linebacker, I guess. Didn't go well. Like, that's all weird from there on out. So here's the funny thing. Like, when I see Keanu Neal's name, I'm like, oh, shit, man. He used to be real good. Like, he was – I was worried about Keanu Neal ending Mike Evans' life at points. Um, 
But anyway, he. I also was like, isn't he like 40? Like, Yanu <laughs> Neal, he's 26. No way. He's 26 years old. Yeah, that so feels I'm, that that Atlanta Pats Super Bowl feels so long ago. It does. It, it does. really wasn't. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's crazy. He's 26. So, wait, did you sign Keanu Neal as a safety or as a linebacker? Great question. Uh, mm. All indications are they're going to move him to safety. Todd Bowles ain't an idiot. Uh, he's not playing him. It obviously didn't work at linebacker. I mean, Todd yeah. Bowles is probably, I picture him, Bowles. This is also what I love is defensively. Like Bowles is a great guy. To, not like he wasn't doing this before, but just to have his input on player evals and stuff is so crucial um, because he's a, such a smart defensive mind. But he, uh, I just picture him sitting back when he sees Keanu Neal's like free agent and being like, <laughs> they used him at linebacker. Like, thanks Dallas for tanking his his stock and saving us a few mil while we bring his ass in here to be a strong safety and kind of a, a budget replacement for Jordan Whitehead because. Um, Anyway, what they've done, the Buccaneers, is is they've now reinforced the safety unit. And this ties super tight into the draft. And I know, and we'll get to more of that in terms of what the Buccaneers are going to do, what their draft needs are. Um, but you now have two proven veterans. And even though he's 26, he's a veteran, right? He's a real veteran. When I was a kid, I thought yeah, he was- well, you he was just 45 minutes ago. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you got Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, right? And then you got Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield Jr. So it's a really nice pairing in terms of longevity and youth and talent all around between the four of them. Did so, you see Did you see friend of the pod Evan Winters tweet about this after the signing? That is pretty interesting. No, I didn't. Uh, I wonder if the Bucs would be a little more apt to take Devin Weald off the field, Devin White off the field during obvious passing downs with Ryan and Neil now in the fold. Interesting. Great observation. Yeah, Neil as a linebacker then. Great observation. Well, that would be like a sub package, but yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. you're right though. That would make perfect sense to employ him in those scenarios. That's actually really clever, Evan. Jesus, Evan. imagine imagine last off season being like, yeah, we should take De- De- Devin White off the field. Okay, let's just like slow our roll and give that's him. A an, that's nuts. That's a crazy like. Just throwing look at it out there. Are. Just throwing it out there. Let's give him a fresh slate this year. Okay, let's let's save the Devin Devin White stuff for one episode please like Sorry. get live 45 i'm with you devin but in um, colin's in the bad relationship that he just can't seem to get out of <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. one more chance honestly if this if this long weekend goes well i really yeah. think we're gonna turn a corner the it's only way hit me again there's no way <laughs> the only way for me to truly truly come to a concise clear decision on on devin white is one more year of betting his over under tackles every single game <laughs> and if I win more than I lose, he's in my good books. You know, it's funny that you say that because I feel like you you two had more of um a boisterous opinion about White's play, and I think it was directly related to your investments every Sunday on his yeah. uh, on his tackle count. I'm just gonna have to join in just to just so I can really go one way or the other this year. So yeah, get ready for that. Yeah, it's a fun ride when he does it. When he doesn't. There's blame being placed all around. <laughs> and, it, and it's headed in one direction. Yeah. Well, some of it's the scorekeepers sometimes, too. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> good point, man. Tackles, total tackles is the most yeah. fickle score. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Was that six or was it four? Yeah. It's when like you, assists you, in the NBA. It's different in every arena. How is yeah. that possible? It's one of the most important stats. Like, oh, yeah, it is. Or, like, get real. Figure it out. 
Nothing's as bad as a hockey assist, though. Um, yeah. oh. I saw like Marner had like a slapper from the point that like got d- got shed by the goalie, kicked out to the corner, passed to another player who put it in, and he got an assist. Yeah. Jesus. Oh God, I've talked to hockey reps and like, yeah, we just kind of determine. It's like if you were kind of involved in the play, then we'll. It's, well, that this is like people's careers, and I don't know. Seems crazy that it isn't a defined thing, but hey. yeah. So. Uh, if you guys are good on the Keanu Neal, if I could shift into some Buccaneers draft priorities, are we? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, perfect. So, so as I mentioned, um, the Bucks sit at 27 in the first round. And it's funny because it's a sweet spot for the safety position. Aside from Kyle, Kyle Hamilton aside, um, there's a number of really, really talented safeties in this draft. I love the safety class, especially like the top five guys. And one guy who I've been tweeting about, and Scott, you, I'm sure, love this. But, like, I am just, the more I watch him, I am just in love with Daxton Hill. I think he's, like, you can't even define him as a safety. He's just, like, a defensive back extraordinaire. Mm. All the physical tools, all the mental tools, the experience. Like, the versatility is incredible. He played more more snaps in the slot last year than safety. He can tackle. He can he can defend the pass like he's just an all around football player and I think this guy's gonna be a star. I think that's exactly right. From watching him at Michigan, just does a bit of everything. Um, only good things said about him, kind of guy too. And um, you know, was one of the best players on a defense that included Ojabo and Hutchinson, obviously, right? Which is which is really saying something. So yeah, when I saw you tweeted about that, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I popped up in my chair a little bit because. There's some guys for whatever reason you really want to make it. And if you're a fan of a college team, you know, it's just not going to happen for certain people. One guy like that for Michigan for me was Jordan Lewis. I really wanted him to just figure it out because he kind of got better every year. Same with Dax Hill, a big recruit um, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Actually, I think he picked Michigan over Oklahoma, which was a random one, but we'll take it. And um, that's awesome, man. And so what's actually, what's jumped out to you just the overall, general swiss army knifeness of his game kind of thing well like i think he can be an elite nfl safety in isolation like that position but i think he's exactly that a swiss army knife that Mm. that is just a huge chess piece that a defensive coordinator would dream about like Mm -hmm. there's got to be so many dcs who are all up in their gm's ear like towards the latter half of the first round just being like let's not fuck this up like dax and hill's legit so um Anyway, I say all that to say, like, I've, I've been like, why aren't everyone's talking Bucks sa- drafting a safety? Everyone's all about Lewis Seen, the Georgia safety. I get it. Hard hitter, more of a, like, strong safety type, but a real good athlete and fades into obscurity amongst that prolific, historic, legendary defensive group that they had there um, down in Georgia last year. Mm. Um, but the point is, I just can't see them doing it in the first round now. Um, with with Logan Ryan and it works out well because I have an I have a mock draft that I've just sort of ironed out at least the first few picks for the Buccaneers and um, I did I went safety list and I was feeling a little weird about it like thinking I'm gonna get ripped up when I publish it but now this plays right into my lap and to the Bucks lap because I don't I don't see them drafting a safety now I don't um, we don't know the terms of Keanu Neal but I just think four guys back there I think there's more pressing needs in a number of areas still with free agency uncertainty as it pertains specifically to Nadamik and Sue and Rob Gronkowski. So, I mean, I think this 
just makes defensive tackle finding a running mate for the long haul for Vita Vea to be that much more important, uh, regardless of what happens with Sue. And I think that that is a position like last year, it was a really weak position this year. You got some really good guys, a couple good guys at the top, but again, it's pretty shallow. Yeah. So feels highly unlikely that they would go with one in the first round. Um, um, safety. Yeah. Yeah. Safety. Uh, quick, uh, just odds check here. So the over under for safeties taken in the first round is one and a half. It's a little bit juiced to the over, uh, minus one sixty over one and a half under one and a half is is plus one thirty. Any any thoughts there? Do, are there aren't two there aren't two safety locks, are there? Right? No, no. no. Like okay. like Lewis seen could Daxton Hill could, but for two of those teams to pull the trigger, like I think the 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 front of the second round is going to be the sweet spot. I think you could yeah. see four guys go in the first 12 picks kind of thing. So at that plus 130 number, uh, one under one and a half, that you that could be a little bit of value, you think? Yeah, I do, potentially. Yeah. But I also wouldn't bet against it because he's talent. Like, I love these guys so much, right? So it's a good, it's a yeah. good line is what you're saying. But uh, we've also talked about the safeties being like <laughs> – yeah, we are saying it's a good line. But yeah. we've yeah. also been talking about the safety position has been – is like on a like upward trajectory in this league and like people should be investing more into their safety play just because safety play is basically the entire middle of the field. You can be up at Mm. the line, be in the slot. Like there's so many places a safety can play that like aids, like helps the defense out. So I, I I don't know. Like I've, I've looked at that exact same prop and I was just like, I could see a few more coordinators being like, let's get, like, I know this guy is going to be good. Hmm. Like, when Derwin James dropped in the draft, everyone uh, was like, well, he's going to be good, but we can't draft his safety that high. It's like, I don't think people make that mistake anymore. You know what? I, I just, when I was, my initial reaction to that, somehow, like, it's like Kyle Hamilton wasn't in my mind. Like, you got Kyle Hamilton going in the top 15 picks 100%. 100%. So you're ultimately betting on, is another safety going to go between yeah. 20 and 32? Mm-hmm. I actually like the odds of someone being smart enough to draft a Daxon Hill, a Lewis Seen, or even maybe a Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. He just got one of them. So, in fact, I'm going to revert back and with conviction say I would would say it's at least a 50-50 chance. And if it's juiced to like that way, then I would take the over. I would take them, someone being smart enough to take a – Jackson Hill's my guy. He's he's now my guy. I'm putting my flag down for you, Scotty. Yeah, love it. I absolutely love it. No, I'm just yeah. That, I thought that was interesting. Uh, an interesting number. Anyway, just because literally what we're talking about about the importance and the perceived importance of of that specific position, right? So that'll be a cool little kind of case study for what goes on in this first round in terms of um, both team building but betting as well. For so, sure. Yeah. And just to like quickly, like I, I wrote an article for Bucks Game Day this week. Make sure you check that website out, uh, si.com slash Buccaneers um, or BucksGameDay.com. Take you to the same place. But the top priorities in the draft, I had safety as one on there because I thought that was important. I'm taking that off, at least for this draft. Defensive tackle, as mentioned, tight end is a big need, whether Gronk comes back or not. So those positions are similar. It's where suit we're waiting on Sue, we're waiting on Gronk. Both those positions, I believe, need reinforcements regardless of whether those players return. And I think adding a cornerback is also important. Um, and then two. Are you, are you talking overall draft or just first round? Sorry, I'm talking. Well, yeah, we don't have five picks in the first round. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. You mean like would I draft? 
I think for some of these positions, they're in play at the first round, but I'm more talking the whole draft ball who okay. are positional, who I think the Buccaneers, the positions the Bucks will look to acquire. D tackle, tight end, a corner, an offensive guard, and an edge rusher is, is where I've settled. What about a wide receiver? So I don't think that's a need at all. I think if you got the right player, I think the Bucks are in a position where um, where if they see the right guy and they love him, then sure, take him. Like they, they're not pigeonholed to draft for need, but if we're just discussing their needs, wide receiver isn't one of them to me at all. No, okay. That's that's where I stand on that. So like, I guess my thing, like I think we got into it a little bit on Twitter, but. What like if you get a defensive tackle that you love in the first round, why don't you want to? You'd still want Sue to be back, or you would still prefer for Sue to be back so that guy sits on the bench for a year? No, not sit on the bench, man. Like the thing with defensive tackles is uh, they're not all of them. They're not always on the field every down, especially with Vita Vea, right? Like three hundred and fifty plus pounds. Like Vita Vea is like a two down guy, and he's going to be better if you can give him give him those blows that he needs so it's all you're, you're doing like it's like a it's like a a synergistic like a collection of of pass rush force yeah. that you're trying to wow assemble like the avengers um vita's the hulk obviously of course, well duh yeah uh hopefully joe Tryon turns into captain america but we're not talking about the edge we're talking about the interior Aren't you you went past the hulk that was about it for me from a superhero, like knowing what the hell it is. So I, I'm just going to have to bow out if you're going to make any more comparisons. I want to <laughs> say there's like some sort of super man is one of them. A Superman, perhaps. Uh, super. He flies around. Also is a reporter. Uh, anyway. Super yeah. spelled S-U-H-P-R. Uh, there, we, there he is. All right. Oh. I'm back on. I'm back in. I'm back yeah. all the way in. Um, But yeah, the Hawaiian Hulk and, and Sue. Her man, I think I think the four the four of them could just create this like it could just become a huge strength boat in, and, yeah. and if two comes back, it's on a one year deal. So like even just his leadership and teaching how he could help that player. Let's say it's a Devonte Wyatt or a Travis Jones, who's the defensive tackle out of Connecticut, who we've talked about previously. I think those are the only two guys in play um, in the first round, and that includes Jordan Davis. I think Jordan Davis is just who of course is like arguably the most athletic human being in the history of the world. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of Marvel comics, like, mm. uh, but he's just not, scary, it's just too redundant with Sue, right? We happen to have one of the other uber athletic strongest men in the world in Vita Vea. Yeah. Just right in his prime right now. So that's just too much of a run stuffer um, lack of endurance. We need a bit of a pass rush coming from, from whatever defensive tackle three techniques going to play beside him. Yeah. And, Devontae Wyatt's perfect. Absolutely perfect. No one I could – he's perfect. But he won't be there. The truth of the matter is, is they're already pretty good. And any sort of impact you get from a rookie is a is a bonus, similar to the Troy, Tryon Shoenka last year, right? Like, the, that's the luxury of actually being a good football team or being a, um, a ready-main contender already before the draft. They can just take guys that they actually like and who they think they can help in various ways. Because they don't – I don't want to say they don't need anything, but they're pretty effing good right now, right? Yeah. Like if the season started tomorrow. So as – you know what I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? For sure, totally. Scotty. It's not It's yeah. not the extent of last year, though, where they returned right. literally every starter. Literally the whole team from the that won the Super Bowl. Yeah. But 
you know, what we're talking about, what they've done with the safety group is a perfect example of cheap guys who can play like starters, like, like Neil's a starter, man. Logan Ryan is still a starting caliber player. Mike Edwards is a starter caliber. They got four starting safeties, which is such great coverage because there's a little more volatility amongst the cornerback group outside of Carlton Davis. Jamel Dean's issue is staying healthy. He's fantastic. PFF, like one of the top graded corners when he's in there, he gets banged up a little bit. I've been high on Jamel Dean for a while. Um, but I don't want to like overdo it because I don't want to place unfair expectations on him to myself. Um, Sean Murphy bunting, the Buccaneers seem to have a lot more confidence in than I do personally. I found him to be very volatile. Like he makes the splashy plays and big moments, which I love. He's got great ball skills. Like maybe could have been a receiver, but as a DB, he gets torched all the time. He always fucks up like his assignments and you got to be smart in Todd Bowles' defense, right? Like, it's a lot. It's a heavy zone scheme for your DBs, which takes some thinking, which is another reason why I am so enamored with Daxton Hill because he's capable of that sort of thing. But we're moving on from Dax. I heard that uh, Murphy Bunting has actually increased his Irish dancing to two hours per day. So you got to help. You got to just assume that that helps all sorts of footwork issues, getting turned around, right? Like getting back to his uh, to his homeland and his roots. And just uh, really, impl- and, um, you know, implementing that in his game. So huge, huge, if true. Are you reporting his homeland is really Ireland? You're I'm like- saying uh, there are reports that he's from Cork. He's from Cork, Ireland. Yeah, one of the first to come out of there. Uh, not a lot of people know that. Uh, Cork, Cork, Michigan, nope, maybe. Nope, don't nobody look it up. You don't have to look it up. Uh, I can just confirm right now. So just uh, that's where he's from. Um, but yeah, like so. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, it's fine. It's fine. Well, um, yeah, moving on. <laughs> so, like, you know, the sorry, I should also mention there's a couple visits um, that that the Bucks are having, which you can't read too much into. Like, they all every team I think gets thirty visits um, with players, but it does tell you like who they're at least scoping out. And Traylon Burks. So, Bo, you asked about the wide receiver position. Like, they bring in Traylon Burks. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, again, another piece I wrote for for SI um, is that Traylon Burks. Obviously, that means the Bucks at least think there's a chance he slips. They see they see the potential for that to happen. That's the kind of guy who's so so dynamic that if he's there at 27, like Scott's saying, at least the Bucks are in a position where they could throw their positional need completely at the window and say, "Fuck it." Traylon Burks with Chris Godwin and Russell Gage and Mike Evans, like, yeah. yes, please, like, I we'll just. We'll just make a strength stronger. It's so hard to turn down just like, oh, no, Talent. this receiver. Oh, no, wait, yeah. no, this guy is going to be like, I I would be so bad at that. I would take every receiver all the time. Yeah, I know. Like, it's so hard. It's so hard to not become infatuated with like wide receivers. Yeah, here's here's how long I took to make the Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell decision. Okay, yes, I will take Jamar Chase. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's nuts. But they also go the opposite way as well. Oh, course. no, I know. I'm just yeah. saying, oh, yeah. you know, when I eventually land, uh, you know, a front office job, then it's going to be a I'm really doing. awesome three-year run for wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's no, open. and no, he's not going to have a running back. He's yeah, gonna, he's going to turn to seven on seven by that point, I hope. Scott would just have receivers back there. No running backs. I would not take Brees Hall, let me tell you. Uh, they also brought in Roger McCreary, who's a guy who early on in the draft pre-draft process was kind of viewed as like potentially like a top five corner number one um underwhelming physical profile like 
excuse me, he's short. He's got insanely short arms. Doesn't fit a Bucks. <laughs> Sounds like, great. Like just doesn't fit the Bucks profile at all. Bucks like tall, rangy receiver or sorry, corners. Um, Roger and, McCreary. Yeah, at Auburn. He sounds like a detective on NYPD Blue. Oh, I thought you were gonna go with the Ireland thing again. Nope, switching it up <laughs> to old shows that aren't Got on range. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> really, just the whole bag's coming out. Um, but seriously though, short and short arms—that's a yeah. tough combo. Literally both. Literally yeah. both. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, that's where we're at. There's a bunch of names I think are in play at 27. I'll, I'll rip through those and then we can talk. If you guys have anything you're, you you want to chat about about the draft or questions, we can kind yes. of just kind of run with it. Um, yeah. Devontae Wyatt, if he's there, no brainer. You take him at the cornerback position because that's another one. If there there could be a real star who the, who the Bucks think is there who could slip because there's a number of good corners at the top. Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson, Kair Elam out of Florida, two interesting names worth consideration at that 27th spot. Um, and then the left guard position. This one's interesting just because Ali Marpet retired, but the Bucks, I think, want to give a shot to Aaron Stinney. They drafted Robert Hainsey last year. They have guys they can throw in there. Um, and I feel like they're going to kind of approach, attack it by a committee and kind of just see who can hold their own. Stinney's already done it through the whole playoff run, right? So, um, again, if Zion Johnson out of Boston College or Kenyon Green were to be there i mean those are elite elite interior offensive line prospects that would they would be thinking long and hard about that it'd be tough to turn one of those guys down but we'll see i already mentioned the safety position lewisine out of georgia daxton hill out of michigan jaquan brisker out of penn state and another guy i'm really high on due to his versatility and swiss army knife ness is jalen petrie out of baylor um and then receivers Traylon burks and olave those are my dudes um, what? Okay, so that's doesn't what I seem like Olavi will be there. He could, man. He could you be. So? You never know. This there's <laughs> so many wide receivers that like the order that they end up going in is just going to be so fascinating. Exactly. I would have bet my life. CD Lamb would have been the first receiver off the board that year, right? Yeah. He wasn't. He was the third between uh, Rugs and Judy. So, have you looked at the odds for first receiver drafted? I haven't looked at any betting odds. Okay, so, of anything. So without looking, then who do you think's the favorite? First receiver taken? Yeah. Garrett Wilson. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, got to be Garrett Wilson. Okay. It's it's basically a co-favorite situation, though. Drake so London? Wilson, yes. Wilson's plus 125. London, plus 130. And then you go down to Traylon Burks at plus 800. Yeah. I, like, Jeez. I, I'm surprised Drake London is getting that kind of buzz. He's a bit of a contentious prospect, at least like in the eyes of sports media evaluators, um, because some people really don't like him. And they think he's like overhyped, and some people love him. His ceiling's super high, mm. but it's a he's young. But anyway, Garrett Wilson to me uh, seems to be the safest bet for sure. Okay, yeah. a lot of people see Stefan Diggs in Garrett Wilson. That would well, be that's that's heavy. That's a hundred million dollar man. And that's and, and that's just a super well rounded receiver to compare someone to. Like it just kind of speaks yeah. to the qualities that he possesses. Obviously, I like Olave though so much. I really like Jahan Dotson. Like, that's a guy. I can't, no get, one, I can't get his name out of my head. Bo, that's a guy no one's talking about, which is so weird. Like, I'm, I'm making these. I don't lists. understand that. I'm making these little lists of guys no one is talking about, or at least not enough people. He is one guy who whose name you just isn't getting talked about. Yeah, I just, I just can picture him tearing it up, like absolutely tearing up the league, like from day one. So, I don't know. That is going to be a guy that we're going to give. I'm going to give out 
a bunch of times as a player prop every week if if he gets going. Love it. Awesome. He'll um he's the sixth he's the sixth receiver on the Dang odds man. list and the receiver yeah. over under for the first round is five and a half. So he could be the determining guy if he slips if he either stays in the or is in the first round or the second round. So that's that's an interesting one, Bo. Give me the I can under. totally see him slipping into the second. But like I Where's- think there's there's good receivers in the second round every year. Like yeah. the top end in the second round. Where is Sky Moore on that list? One you, know, you have in front of you. Like as the, as the first receiver drafted? Sorry, no. Like you just mentioned they're at five and a half. Sorry. Oh. So yeah. like because Sky Moore is such an interesting player. Um, it sounds like uh, he'll be going in the first from everything that I'm reading. Unless right, I'm right. missing okay. something. I, I don't see him on this list. Yeah, so that would be man. If you could find him on there to go in the first round, like it'd be a bit of a shot. But if he does, like, like someone might love him. Like the Saints could take him in like the teens. Um, he's an interesting Here. player. Quickly, this is the top nine: Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, Tyquan Thornton, and Ty Freifogel. Sure. What? Yeah. Those are the odds. That's the odds on Bet365 right now. No. And I like guess I they just have. They have some random names there, like Taekwon Thornton's. Like not. There's no way. Yeah. They, like there's a like there's a lot of names here, and there's no way they're gonna go. Like Wandale Robinson is at plus twelve thousand. Yeah. Like I, this guy might go in the third or fourth, right? Like Kentucky, right? Know. Kentucky Wandale. I think so. I can't even remember honestly. Okay, Bob boom. Man. I want to ask you about the first offensive line offensive lineman taken. Who do you think's a favorite? I think the favorite is probably Iki Aquanu, but I think it would have been Evan Neal earlier in the process. And okay. I, yeah, so, and I think it should be Evan Neal almost now. Like, I go back and forth. Okay, so Aquanu is minus 138, and Neal is plus 120. So pretty close to a coin flip there. Uh, yeah. And the third guy on the list is Charles Cross, way down at 11-1. to 1. So pretty big difference. So it's basically going to be one of those two guys, right? And it's going to be a tough one to predict. Like I, I go okay. back to the to the Worfs Andrew Thomas year. Like, and who do you prefer? But but myself between Iquanu yeah. and Neil. I'm honestly as close to split as possible. Last time okay. we talked, last time we talked, I was all Iki Iquanu for the ceiling. Yeah. But I, the more I've kind of looked at it, I just think um, there's a certain safety involved with with yeah. like Iquanu is a monster against the run. Like just a savage, like. He, like an elephant stampeding down the field like it's just scary whereas evan neal is more of this like polished technician who somehow carries 350 pound pounds like but looks like the rock like mm. physically and he's also more of a technician coming out of the Saban program so i'm starting to almost flop a little bit uh, and lean more neal but i feel like you can't go wrong either way you got a ceiling and you got a floor where, which should, one do you want to gamble on? Well, keep your eye on those on those odds then, man, because you might be able to find something you like between those two uh, if they keep flipping and, and you get the price you want on one of them, right? So, yeah. uh, Bo, I just have one more draft question for Boone. Yeah, go for it. I, I got some after one. you too. No, if you want – do you have one? Just fire away. Well, the one thing I was looking at is the top 10 picks. Um, mm. Speaking of a guy who had a pretty nice pro day today, Derek Stingley Jr., what do you think they've got him at for a top 10 pick here, Boone? I think it's got to be really good plus money. Like I, I'm, sh- maybe they they figured something out from the pro day because it's only a plus one twenty five. Wow, um, yeah. wow! So yeah, that absolutely. I would have loved to have known what that was this morning. Yeah, um, me too. 
but yeah, I mean, Stingley is Stingley. Like people love him, man. Yeah, I saw your tweet. Like uh, the stopwatch thing. I was just like, this doesn't seem right. Well, there's just a number of like so a bunch of like scouts because it's a pro day, right? So it's less yeah, official. Yeah, yeah. They don't have the like house number. The house number belongs to the school the kid plays for. Mm. Um, so the scouts and attendants, whoever timed it, I guess it, it varied between the time they got him at from a four three seven to a four four. Yeah, that's nuts. That's what I meant. The point is he crushed it coming off a of Liz Frank foot injury and yeah. Like looked fantastic physically, and and for him, like his gifts are are more about just how naturally cerebral he is at the position. Like, so it's just kind of like a savant when he's at his best, when he's healthy. So throw in those physical, athletic traits that he showed today, and it's just kind of like a game changer, I think, for some teams potentially. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, I got one more. One more, and then we're gonna get up out of here. Do you have? Is there a chance that any tight end gets taken in the first round? No. 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 Okay. No. Because it's that's what the odds would indicate as well. But I didn't know if you had a borderline guy that you thought could sneak in. But that's because it's plus 425 on over 0.5. So there's they're yeah, saying no. Bet right? the under still. Yeah, like, minus 600. Yeah, minus okay. 600. Yeah, bet it. Like Put, put yeah. 100K down. Um, uh, Trey McBride out of Colorado State, he's undisputed number one, I would say, on most boards, I get, like, I think, like most people have him there. And I have him in a mock draft I'm going to have coming out this week. I have him going at 60 to the Tampa Bay Bucks with their second round selection. So wow. that might, like, he's going to go probably between, I would say, 40 and 60 ish range, somewhere in the second. Um, maybe it's a little optimistic that he'll be there at 60, but uh, no way he's going in the first. No chance. Good. Glad I'm at, glad I asked because I think I would have just taken a little shot that uh, you know the latest guy out of Virginia or Iowa was going to get picked by you know either the Steelers or the Ravens right so um, okay good Jelani Jelani Woods from Virginia could be the first tight end taken Rose boy Bo likes my yeah, guy bro. yeah um, anyway we got some draft talk in there we got some coaching talk diversity uh, draft priorities for the Buccaneers all sorts of good stuff so. Uh, we are going to wrap it up there. I want to thank everyone who tuned in, whether you're watching live on YouTube or listening on um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. We thank you. Uh, please make sure you check us out on YouTube and subscribe to the Bucks Banter YouTube channel. Uh, that is greatly appreciated. And make sure you check out my work at Bucks Game Day, the Sports Illustrated website dedicated to covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I will be focusing not only on the team and breaking news, but also the NFL draft. So it is draft month. Can't wait to talk more about it. We'll have some guests coming up in the weeks to come. Thank you both. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening. God bless. Go Bucks.